Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Come inside, the show's about to start. Guaranteed to blow your head apart. This is the Shannon Smith Shooting Podcast. Gas it up. What's up, gang? Welcome back to the Shannon Smith Shooting Show podcast. I'm just leaving the Florida West Coast Steel Championship, I think they called it. It was over at the Wyoming Antelope Club in Clearwater, Florida, which I will always consider my home club. I used to live 15 minutes from there and put uh, many hundreds of thousands of rounds into the berm at that range, so I've I always enjoy shooting there, and they were nice enough to let me shoot on staff day, which is Friday, and we just finished up about 5 o'clock. Now I've got to get from Pinellas County, Clearwater, Florida, over to to Polk County, almost Orlando, on Friday afternoon on I-4, so if you've ever been in the area, you know I'm rocking along at about 18 miles an hour right now. So I thought I'd hastily throw a podcast together and see how it goes. I've got a a couple of topics I want to hit on. Um, the matches if you, you probably haven't been to this range if you're not a local guy uh, it's an interesting range it's one of those deals where the range has been there for 100 years or something and was in the middle of the woods when they built it and then the city's built up around them it's smack dab in the middle of Clearwater uh, right in the literal landing path of Clearwater International Airport and plenty of businesses and homes and residences and commercial buildings and everything around there so they've done a a fantastic job at keeping the range open and, and doing everything they can to to be a good citizen. So it's an outdoor range, but uh, they have overhead cover and side side walls, not berms necessarily, but walls uh, on each bay. So it's kind of like shooting in a cave. You've you've got some sunlight, you've got some some electrical light, and I'm half shot there for many many years. So nothing I wasn't used to, but but never shot steel challenge there. Uh, so that was definitely interesting. Uh, they had you could shoot a couple guns per session, morning and afternoon. For some reason, I decided to shoot all four. So I shot four guns, a lot of rounds downrange. Uh, did not shoot very well at all, in my uh, opinion. But some of that is just you know the environment threw me off a little, you know, compared to what I'm used to out of out of my range. And then um, iron sights are a little bit of a challenge to see in there. You get some shadows going on and some light, which again nothing I'm not accustomed to. All you have to do is put your sight on the target and work the trigger, but uh, trying to shoot target focus and that kind of thing didn't work out as great as I would like. But had a great time shooting with some friends and hanging out at the old range, get a day get a day away from my range and then go actually shoot some stuff. And they had six stages of steel challenge, so whatever that works out to, uh, 150 rounds or something times four guns plus my uh, many many misses so I got a lot of rounds down I shot uh, open and PCC in the morning and then I shot uh, production and limited in the afternoon both with a Glock 34 which that's not ideal for limited but I just came to shoot and have a good time and I didn't want to swap holsters and that kind of crap and trying to grab different guns different grips different uh, presentations is, is never ideal so it was fun rock the rock the Terran Glock a little bit and had a good time a um, couple of topics I wanted to hit on, a little recap or, or some new information on the 
the self-defense stand your ground incident from the last podcast so it turns out this dude draco or whatever his name is is pretty much a douche like i expected story came out uh, yesterday in a local paper I'll, I'll link it on my facebook that uh, he's had at least two other incidences involving law enforcement with road rage and brandishing a firearm you know same same old story some lady cut him off and he pulls up a her and flashes his gun and that's happened a couple of times and uh then the owner of the the gas station convenience store or whatever it was i guess has said he's he's accosted people for parking in the handicapped spot before as well so uh you know who knows what's gonna happen it's uh i'm certainly a fan of this of the sandy ground law and i think it's a a solid law but it you know it needs to be used right that it's not your uh, excuse to be a jackass and <clears throat> hopefully this guy gets what's coming to him because he's a uh, you know stain on the on the those of us out there concealed carrying responsible citizens doing the right thing he's uh not a responsible citizen but you can you can google that stuff and, and see the reports uh, ain't looking good for the dude uh random jumping around a little bit had a question come in not really a podcast question but that was a good question and we talked about it a little bit with a with a student so i thought i'd cover up uh, cover it on the podcast on more on the self-defense thing as well excuse me now he was asking about mag springs on carry guns and you know again you can you can google this and you'll get uh infinite amounts of information on uh all sides of the story and all kinds of different uh, m- different advice and none of it's probably bad but uh, in this case he was asking about a, a Glock mag and I've got a lot of Glocks I've got a number a number of Glocks stashed around the house uh, I still use the little 380 carry Glock occasionally uh, I've got the Glock 17 that I use extensively at work for classes uh, Glock 34, I shoot quite a bit in competition. Shot that today. And um, so he was asking, how often should you change them? And I you know, I was telling him, number one, I'm not a mechanical engineer, shocker, but I've always been under the assumption that it's it's cycle time that wears down a spring, not compression time. So if you've got it sitting there sprung, that's not nearly as bad on it as it is on like our competition guns where we're Loading them and shooting them and loading them and shooting them, loading them and shooting them all the time. Uh, I've I've never been a super anal guy about things like that in terms of having a schedule on when I change out springs. Um, you know, if I th- if I think it felt weak, then I would change it, and that's primarily talking about my competition 1911s and 2011s. But um, on the Glocks, man, I can't even remember like maybe one time. I've changed out my uh, my Glock springs, and the mags I use for the 17 and the 34 are the same mags. So my class my class mags and my uh, competition mags are the same, and I use them quite a bit. And uh, I've got the Terran extenders, the production level extenders, and then his larger ones that for the three gun to get you a 22 or 23 or whatever it is. Um, I know I've changed them once, but that's the only time I can for sure remember changing them and these things are you know 10 years old or more so and that's that's with the cycle time so that's you know being well used uh so i don't know about the the home defense stuff um <clears throat> i don't i don't I've never changed mine that i know of 
<clears throat> I've talked about it before, but a good habit is to change out your carry ammo, uh, shoot it out, replace it with good with new ammo, fresh ammo uh, during daylight savings time. So when you change your clocks, so that'd be twice a year. And full disclosure, I'm you know I've not I've not met that standard. I need to do better about that. And we talked about the the flashlights, your tactical flashlights or self-defense flashlights as well. Uh, change out the batteries at the same time on those. And that one bit me in the ass one time. If you want to roll back a lot of podcasts, uh, I got stuck out at night with needing a light and the two of the three lights I had didn't work. Uh, so I'm definitely, I've definitely been better about that. Uh, but the number of carry guns I have laying around, I say carry guns, the number of self-defense guns I have laying around, uh, shooting them all twice a year would probably be expensive and not realistic being that I haven't been doing it anyway. Uh, but at least once. And I would think the same thing. I mean, number one, I grab the gun and, you know, throw it in a bag safely, take it straight to the range and shoot it. You know, I don't unload it. I don't reload it. I grab it just as a, it just if I were grabbing it, uh, just to give that peace of mind and confidence that, that you're sure it's going to work that, uh, that time that you need it. And the times I've done that, you know, I've not had a problem with mag springs. So I guess I would say the same thing. If you, you know, if it bothers you, springs are not that expensive change it uh, if it feels weak certainly change it if you think it's causing malfunction certainly change it but uh, make sure you go test it too you know make sure you go uh, test fire any, any changes that you make and you know springs will take a set that much i do know so if you put a put a new spring in or you know you look at the measurement it's going to be x longer than your old spring inch inch and a half something like that uh, you load that spring up for a while, a couple days, it will take a set. So it will be a little bit shorter than a, than a new one, even though it hasn't been used. And I think that's pretty common. Uh, so that aspect doesn't bother me. But if I felt, you know, if I felt it was weak or if it bothers you, change it. You know, don't sweat it. I have a good good buddy of mine who's a <clears throat> competition shooter, as well as a uh, local law enforcement officer, and and had been through the Glock Armors course. And I was asking him about that, and he said that the Armors course they recommended five years for mag changes, and that's probably geared towards cops who aren't shooting them that much. They're staying loaded most of the time, uh, so I'm, I'm going to probably throw that on as a guideline. Uh, most of my home guns are probably at about that mark now or more, uh, so maybe it's time to do a change. But I'll evaluate that when I take them out and, and shoot them again, and and check it out. Uh, the main topic I want to get on on this podcast is hitting shit. Uh, hitting shit's cool, and I could cover this from so many different angles. I'll see how many that I have time for. But just today, I was talking to the match director of this steel match that that I was at, and he was talking about the rise of PCC and the prevalence of PCC, which is pistol caliber carbine. If you're not a competitive guy, so nine millimeter AR, for example. Um, it's coming around, you know, I mean, some mass directors still got a little disdain for it. Most people have figured out that it's the the wave of the future, so you might as well embrace it. It ain't going away. Um, and he was talking about how it's gained in popularity, and I see that same thing in my range at my local matches. A lot of people coming out shooting. And I was telling him, you know, the main reason is it's easier to hit shit. And hitting shit's cool. People like to come out to a match and hit stuff. And... If you're a newer shooter, if you're an older shooter, uh, if you don't see as well, it's much, much easier to hit things with a rifle and a red dot 
than a single stack in iron sights or a production gun in iron sights. You know, news flash there. But there's nothing wrong with that. You know, but that's why people like it. It's nice to come out and be able to hit what you're aiming at most of the time and have a good time shooting. So, you know, who cares? That's I have no problems with people jumping in PCC uh, just for that reason, if that were the if that were the only reason. In the in the classes that I I teach and I teach quite a bit and have been for a number of years now. Um, over the last number of years, I don't know, five, six or so, I feel like I've really simplified my classes because you realize what's important. Like the more you're in the game, the more you're in the sport. You know, to me, if you've been there, you know it, it's fundamentals of marksmanship. The bottom line is you've got to be able to hit what you're aiming at. And there's some techniques we use to be able to do that more efficiently, to be able to do that quicker. But it all comes down to you got to hit what you're aiming at, preferably the first time you shoot at it. Uh, that's going to save you more time than anything. And I struggle a little bit at times, like, you know, do I teach a student what they want to, what they want to learn, or do I teach them what I need, they, what I need, or what I know that they need to learn? And across all disciplines, whether it's competitive stuff, self-defense, you know, military, uh, it doesn't matter your application. The bottom line is you're trying to hit a target with a bullet fired from your gun, pistol, rifle, PCC, whatever. And there's a certain number of things that have to happen in order to achieve that goal. Now, you can cheat your fundamentals from time to time, and you'll you'll get some hits. Uh, we all do it, <clears throat> myself included. But you're not going to be consistent. And, man, if you're not shooting Steel Challenge, you need to get out and shoot some Steel Challenge because that, uh, the proof is in the pudding, as they say, and Steel don't lie, the timer don't lie. And it's very, very easy to prove to yourself. You know, if I come into this course of fire and I shoot my my four strings that we got to keep, with uh, one extra shot out of the 20 rounds, that's going to be a better time than if I come in there and I've got 30 shots for my 20 hits. Um, and you, you'll get away now and again with an extra shot in a faster time. Um, but that's normally not because of that. That's normally because of other areas that you were pushing uh, in order to in order to try and gain time. You know, I've talked about this in the Steel Challenge podcast before, so I won't go over it again. But you know, in my research, when I'm my training and my note taking I realized that you know if I get through this entire match with less extra shots that time is generally uh, less than than not um, I had a, uh, a student last week a pretty good pretty good shooter young fit guy and it was a three-day class so we extensively covered fundamentals and foundation and draws and grips and all that good stuff and we were getting more into the, the movement aspect on the last day, hitting some stages and, and working some stuff. Uh, if you shot the Ipswich Nationals, the I forget the stage number, seven or six, I think. But it was it was a backup stage. You started up front with four uh, four mini poppers, and then backed up. There was two targets right, two targets left, two targets right. So what is that? Uh, 12, 16 rounds, and. This guy struggled a little bit with trigger control, but we we'd been working on it for a couple of days, and he he knew what re, what what was required and what it took to pull the trigger correctly and, and get the hit. And uh, so we ran the stage I don't know five six seven times quite quite a number of times. And the, these four mini poppers were 12, 13, 14 yards, 
and he had yet to get him clean. He'd yet to get through the four poppers on four shots. And uh, his times were 11, 12, 12 and a half seconds, something like that. So we kept working, kept working, and it was a interesting backup stage. Like you could turn to your right and move back with that technique, take two targets, then turn to your left, move back with that technique, take two targets, turn back to your right, move back, take two targets. Or you could stay down the right side until uh, you finished up the four targets down the right and then step over uh, with a little bit of forward movement and take the two on the left. So there's a couple of different ways you could shake the stage down. Uh, there were pretty legit options. And we played with both of those. And we're talking about, you know, looking at the spot you want to go and, and which way do you turn and holding the gun and aggressive movement, getting the eyes up, getting on the target when you get in a position and all this stuff. Because that's what we were working on in that point of the class. But in the back of my head, I'm thinking, like, the whole, the whole reason you're not having a good time on this stage is because you're taking six shots at the four steel or you're taking seven shots at the four steel. Uh, so then I told him a couple of stories um, during the the nationals i shot on staff day and and when i was putzing around on the four-wheeler once the match started kc cbo and his squad were up there shooting and i stopped and was bsing with him and he was asking me which one of the which one of the stage techniques i used to shoot and we were talking about it and i said you know we're sitting here talking about all this but the whole thing comes down to who takes the least amount of shots on steel and he's like yeah that's true good point and I think he still had an extra shot and still beat my time. But anyway, so I was telling this student that story, you know, not making it obvious, but just kind of relating the story, hoping he'd catch on to it. And then he goes up there, next run, goes one for one on the steel, and shoots the stage in like nine something. And I showed him the timer, and he's like, holy shit, what did I do differently there? And I just kind of stared at him, and, and then all of a sudden he caught on. He's like, damn it, I went one for one on the steel, didn't I? He's like, yep hitting shit that's what it comes down to you know i'm not gonna say the movement aspect's not important because it certainly is you need to be efficient you need to be fast you need to be quick um, but it doesn't matter how quick efficient or fast you get into position if you can't hit the target when you get there and which comes back to fundamentals of marksmanship ability to work the site work the trigger and hit shit uh yesterday was yesterday yesterday or day before yesterday um, had another class with a student who has taken a number of classes from me and is a pretty good, pretty good shooter, probably a master level shooter. I think he might be A class, but pretty solid. Shoots open, so we were running open gear. And same stories. We had a, the one of the other stages from the match, the double swinger stage five, I think it was. A pretty big stage, and you know he ran it a few times doing decent you know running in the in the 14s or something and uh, he asked me to run it one time so he could get a feel for what he was going up against and I ran it in 12 12 something I think and so I got this thing where I break down shot for shot uh, every run on this every shot on the stage and then do the same thing on the same run for the student so then they can see where the time is lost because this is like a 24-round stage or something. Uh, if nothing, you know, glaring goes bad, it's hard to see where where you made a mistake or where you have areas to improve. And it's almost always the same, especially with a with a pretty good shooter. In this, like in this case, like it really is nothing glaring. I mean, there's it's uh, you know four tenths on moving into this position, 
um, you know, a couple hundred sun on every transition and um, there was no reloads here, but maybe a little bit on a reload. And it just adds up, man. You're like, how the hell did I get beat by two seconds? But when you do that shot for shot, and then you can see the time difference, well, you see exactly where all that time came from. And so it was like a two-second difference. Um, but the one big glaring thing to me is he had one extra shot on a piece of steel. And the extra shot's on the timer, so I see exactly how long it took him to correct that. And it was 0.45. So we had all the other numbers, the 0.2s and 0.18s and 0.12s for transitions and, you know, split here and there and little stuff. And then we looked at that column of all the all the extra time. And I was like, what's the biggest number on here? And he's like, the 0.45. So I got to try it. Extra shot. Not hitting shit. And, you know, on a, on a two-second uh, difference, that's 25% of the two seconds almost so again it just illustrated now look everybody's gonna have extra shots we're all gonna have misses we got to make up we're all gonna miss steal from time to time so you can't come out there and shoot at a pace that you're never gonna miss and that's not what i'm saying but what i'm saying is everything comes down to fundamentals of marksmanship and hitting shit just to keep it simple and again shooting steel challenge today that was just so evident like it is every time i shoot steel challenge and if i just see that just see that sight on the target just for a nanosecond you know as i'm working the trigger it's generally one for one and a pretty good time i mean I ain't gonna run with bj ain't gonna run with kc you know, those guys are on another level but uh, i can run pretty good times but for some reason we all get that feeling we gotta go gotta go gotta go and you try to cheat the system sometimes you hook up but most times you don't and it's a game of consistency so you know getting lucky is is not going to work over the course of a you know eight round steel challenge match or eight stage steel challenge match or a you know 12 stage state match or a 30 stage world shoot you know you're not going to get lucky 30 times in a row uh, so the consistent guy is the one that's going to win and how you stay consistent is executing your fundamentals nothing wrong with pushing it from here from uh, from time to time uh, but just know that you're taking a gamble and over the long run you know, you're not going to get lucky that often, so it's not going to pay off. It comes down to hitting stuff. All right, gang, that's all I got for you on this one. Still got 20 miles to go, but at 28 miles an hour, but nothing left to talk about. Hope you guys are out there shooting, enjoying your summer. Let me know if you got any questions, and I will see you on the range. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. Then behind the glass, there's a real blade of 